if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. And thank you all for joining us today. Just a reminder that we're talking about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe today, but general spoiler warning for the Narnia series as a whole, um, heads up that we tend to talk about other stories and things that we enjoy, so we'll try to give some spoiler warnings if we get into anything uh, too egregious. But today, we are discussing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chapter 8, What Happened After Dinner. And what happened after dinner, Chase, is this. So Lucy asks what happens to Mr. Tumnus. Get over it, girl. Uh, But the beavers say that that's bad business. He was taken by the not-so-secret police up north, which means he was taken to her house. And people go there, never come out. The place is full of statues made from people she's turned to stone. And Lucy says that they should go and save him. Peter starts planning a heist with costumes and tricks. And Mr. Beaver says there is nothing they can do. But now that Aslan is on the move, the children ask the beavers to tell them about Aslan. But uh, Mr. Beaver says that Aslan is the king of Narnia. He hasn't seen him. He hasn't been seen in Narnia for a while. But word has that he's come back in at this very moment. uh, And he's going to settle the white witch for good. Edmund asks if the white witch could turn him to stone, too. And Mr. Beaver basically tells him, bless your heart, uh, in a real Southern way and insults him uh, for thinking something so stupid. Uh, he recites an old rhyme about how Aslan will bring back and uh, or bring an end to winter uh, and bring back spring. Says they'll understand when they see him. Susan asks if Aslan is a man. And Mr. Beaver scoffs at this as well, saying that he's the king of beasts, a lion, the great lion. Susan asks if he's safe, and the beavers respond, "Of course he isn't safe, but he's good." Peter agrees that while he feels frightened, he still very much wants to meet him. And apparently, the appointment is already set up. Who knew? Who had time to set up such an appointment? We'll talk about that later tomorrow. At the stone table, they are to set. Uh, they are set to meet Aslan, and then they will be able to help. Because another old rhyme says that when a son of Adam sits at Care Paravel's throne, the evil times will end. Mister Beaver says there's stories of Aslan's coming around. Uh, there's been stories before, but never any humans. So this time must be drawing near uh, now that they've arrived, and we're definitely going to discuss that. Uh, Peter asks if the witch is human. Mister Beaver says no; that she comes from quote. Adam's first wife, Lilith, who was a djinn, and she's also half giant. Just let that sink in. Mrs. Beaver says that the witch is evil because she doesn't have human blood. The the beavers then get into a brief discussion, uh, a real racist uh, Thanksgiving dinner discussion about which races are good and bad, and uh, and another thing we're going to have to address. Then Mrs. Beaver tells them about another prophecy about how four humans, two sons of Adam, two daughters of Eve, will sit at Care Paravel, the castle by the sea. And then they realize, Oh, what is this? Edmund left while they were talking about racist things. And all of them went out into the snow to yell and look for him. Peter asked what they should do, suggesting making search parties. But Mr. Beaver says there's no point because obviously he's betrayed them and gone to the White Witch. He says he could see it when they first met Edmund, see it in his eyes that he'd encountered the witch and tasted her food. 
Mr. Beaver says that only Aslan can help them now. They lament that he heard the intel about Aslan, noting that the witch could now uh, cut them off or hunt them down. So they immediately set off without a moment to lose. They do indeed. Uh, the theme of this chapter is basically just foreshadowing. Uh, foreshadowing, it, yeah. the, the entire chapter is basically just Beaver explaining the entire rest of the plot. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, this is back to good old faithful CSOs. Let's just you know, sure. explain what's going to happen. Uh, Which a lot is going to happen, and also a lot of wild details in this chapter. Uh, Woo! Wild stuff, Chase. But uh, one place to start, just a note for Mr. Beaver. Maybe don't assume that someone who's never been to your society knows everything about it. Like if someone came to visit me from out of state, yeah, I wouldn't expect them to know the street names in my neighborhood, right? Sure. Like, why do you think that these children who are in Narnia for the first time know anything about it, let alone everything about the location and practices of your local politicians? Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. Uh, I, but like. He does it, and he did it last chapter, and he's probably going to keep doing it in the rest of, of this book. He makes a lot of assumptions. As, as we've learned about the beavers in this chapter, they make a lot of assumptions. Uh, about, you know, things, as well as about certain kinds things, of people. people, places, uh, all this stuff. But Lucy gets back onto her obsessive train. She goes, ah, like, what happened to Mr. Tumnus? Girl, find another topic. <laughs> Need to uh, chill needed chill uh, and she go, and he goes oh that's a bad it's a really bad business and now i'm wondering is he talking like what's bad business the fact that uh he was kidnapping lucy uh or the fact that he himself got taken by the white witch which one of those is the bad part mr beaver uh i.e mr turncoat uh, yeah yeah there there are some other things in this chapter even as we were reading that back through the summary summary that do support your theory that the beavers used <laughs> to work for the white witch but uh, before yeah. we get into that, I just want to point out the Peter's strategy for saving Mr. He, he literally says we need to come up with a stratagem and then says that it should include dressing up as something, pretending to be peddlers, watching until the witch leaves so they can break in and get Tumnus out. Now, this is Kel. This is the book that I want to be reading. Dude. Why did we not get the heist movie version of this book? It sounds incredible. Like Netflix, are you yeah. listening? Disney, like we need a heist movie starring kids and talking animals. It would make so much money. Where the where the the stakes are, they could get turned to stone. Yeah. And maybe they do. No, honestly, just that plot would be a good Disney movie. I think it's I think that's like a Hallmark movie with a really low budget that has been made. I mean, I is Hallmark the one that does include magic or doesn't? I know either Lifetime or Hallmark man. doesn't allow magic in their movies. It's like Dude. one of the weird rules about them. I don't know. But, but yeah, Ocean's is, Eleven and Narnia, for real, it would sell. I will write is, it if you want. <laughs> what is magical is the fact that the queen can turn people to stone. He says, uh, Beaver says, uh, it means that he's been taken to her house. Who's her house? Uh, you know, as you were mentioning, he's making a lot of assumptions. Uh, he's like, we all know what that means. And Susan goes, no, we don't. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. For Who is she? Up. Where is she? What is she? <laughs> I'll do you one better. How is Gamora? Uh, and so uh, it means they've been taken to her house and no one comes out of there alive. They get turned to statues. 
which is crazy, but also, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And Lucy goes, well, Mr. Beaver, can't we? I mean, my, we, we must do something to save him. It's dreadful. And it's all on my account. No, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> you, like, it's not your fault that he kidnapped you and then decided, I'll give you back. Yeah, like, we need we need to stop this whole victim blaming thing. This is not not great. Lucy, you need you need to chill. You need to go to some therapy. You talk through how it's not your fault that this man tried to kidnap you. This is like a guy at a party who like like if he was dealing with like a drunk girl was like, oh, I could have taken advantage of you, but I didn't. It's like, oh my gosh, you didn't. Wow, like, it's thank like, you yeah, so that's, much. That's, that's, that's so bar. meaningful to me. That's that's just being neutral. Of like, I will go home doing, with you now. Not doing the evil thing. Like that's it's ridiculous. Uh, it's like you don't owe him for not kidnapping you. That's yeah. what normal humans, normal people do. Is we don't kidnap other people. <laughs> it's just it's wild to me. Uh, and then because like later, like their their reasoning for why they have to go save him. Peter goes, "This fawn saved my sister at his own risk, Mister Beaver." No, he, he didn't. Saved, though he saved her from his own evil deeds. Like, that's not saving someone. Yo, don't you know that if I'm about to stab you, but then I don't stab <laughs> you, that means I saved you. You owe me. Your life is in my hands, Chase. <laughs> that is that is called gaslighting. It makes me so mad. This is this is Mother Gothel in like entangled the entire time, where it's like. I'm the one who loves you and cares about you. No one else does. That's because you locked me away in the yeah. tower. This, this <laughs> is this is Theon Greyjoy in most of the mm. Game of Thrones series. Oh, Theon! What a or, not what Theon. A I'm sorry, Reek. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what's the difference? Uh, but like, it's just it, it baffles me. But we move on because Mister Beaver has said the only way that they can actually save them is through Aslan. And now that Aslan is on the move, oh yes, tell us about Aslan. Uh, no, because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I won't. I, was, uh, I don't want to. That was a uh, for whatever reason that had like real John Mulaney vibes, and I was for it. Uh, but like, it, they they get this this feeling like we discussed last chapter, this strange feeling like the first signs of spring comes over them, and like I love that imagery because what have they been dealing with for hundreds of years? a society that is always winter. And so the first sign of spring would be a huge deal. Uh, yeah. And so I, I love that that imagery right there. Uh, and so uh, he goes, who is Aslan? Aslan, said Mr. Beaver. Why don't you know? Why no. would they know Mr. Beaver? No, that's why we asked. Please go on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just crazy stuff, dude. Like, why would yeah. he make this assumption? They're not he, from here. Yeah, he, he assumes way too much of these children. But the one thing that he does get real right is that Edmund is dumb. I'm glad that we're <laughs> continuing the trope of people telling Edmund he's dumb, even if it's actively radicalizing him. Just the whole, like, I have to find it. It's literally it's, like a bless your heart moment, which if yeah. you're not from Texas, goes, which I don't think most of our listeners are yeah. from Texas, bless your heart is what Southern people say when they don't want to say, wow, that was a stupid thing you just said. Yeah. He goes, uh, Edmund asks, she won't turn him into stone too? And he goes, Lord love you, son of Adam. Yeah. What a yeah. simple thing to say. <laughs> like, 
Bless you. Simple. You are so stupid, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Like, that's what he tells him. Because they just mentioned that this white witch could turn people to stone. This seems like a legit... Because the, yeah. the, the precipice to this is like, Aslan will defeat the white witch. He'll take over and everything will be made right again. And Edmund's like, you just said this witch could turn people to stone. Yeah. Couldn't she do that to Aslan too? Again, a reasonable question. A fair point. Like, fair point. An granted. honest, good thing to ask when yeah. you don't know anything about the person sure. they're talking about. Sure. Granted, Why would they Edmund, assume that Aslan is a magic lion? Yeah, granted, Edmund wants the queen probably to turn Aslan to stone. Like, he wants yeah. her to win. He but, really wants Turkish delight. But he, that's a fair question. He doesn't deserve to be told he's an idiot. Like, uh, you know, that, it just, whatever. But uh, they they keep moving on, and she says, turned into stone? Like, if she can stand on her own two feet, Look him in the face. It'll be the most she can do and more than I expect of her. No, no. He'll put her under place, all right. She, she will do a lot more than that. She's going to do a lot way. more. Spoiler alert. Standing is the least of the worries here. If, you, if you're not aware of what happens in this book, let alone the Bible, Aslan gets killed by the White Witch. What? What? It's crazy. Granted. Like hell, he's the hero. How? Granted. Why would the hero die? That's Aslan. Not... <laughs> this this doesn't scream about you know. This doesn't really talk about power, like you know. But granted, Aslan Everyone allows knows himself. power is taken, not given. Yeah, come on. Granted, Aslan allows himself to be killed. That's probably why the queen can do what she does. Otherwise, she couldn't you know stand before him. Uh, but like, she still does it, right? It's like that's kind of a big deal in the book. It's like that's oh, something that happens. Yeah, because she's real into herself. Um, one one thing I want to note here: the way that the beavers tell these kids about all these prophecies and things and just realities of their world is through little little big nursery rhymes. Two um, of the three are. Two yeah, of three. two of the three. What one of the three is a rehash of an earlier one, though? So I'm gonna factor that call, into call it two A. Yeah, yeah, it's an interpretation of the first rhyme. But do people in Narnia plan their lives around nursery rhymes? Like this seems I do. Odd, a little like I don't sing itsy bitsy spider to myself, just like hoping and praying that one day the spider oh. is gonna reach the top. And bring about a turtle sunshine. That's I that's what I'm like hoping think, for. Like I don't I like go out and root that, for spiders personally. I like to think that I am that spider chase, and when oh, the rain yes. washes me down, I will be able to climb up eventually. That's how I interpret that prop. Sorry, not prophecy. Yeah, nursery. Now you are the David of your story. I'm always David. I'm never the Israelites cowering in fear. No. Uh, I'm, but, I'm Goliath personally. But uh. <laughs> but this this old rhyme uh, that speaks about Aslan because guys guess what time it is it's poetry time uh, uh, poetry time in Narnia <laughs> oh dang it I forgot okay. I didn't write a poem it's okay I didn't but I kind of did I'll get to it right but it says wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight at the sound of his roar sorrows will be no more when he bears his teeth winter meets its death all right rhyming skills need some work uh and when he shakes his mane uh, we shall have spring again again like yeah yeah c.s lewis really stretches some rhymes there stretches your rhymes uh, on both of the poems like uh and so 
my interpretation of this, I like to give a shout out to Mr. Marshall Mather, who's also known as Eminem. Uh, and my you know interpretation of this is guess who's back, back again, Aslan's back, spring begins. See, again rhymes with again, again, begin, again, begin, right? That's yeah. that's that's a rhyme. Again. I, I don't is think not. again does rhyme with again. That's just the same word. Sorry, I meant to say again and begin. Oh, those are begin. the Begin those are the two words. Yeah. Yes, those two do rhyme. You're correct. Main and again do not. Maybe, I don't know, British people, do y'all say again? Like, we should have spring again. Maybe. It, Could be. That, that felt very British. Sure. Uh, so maybe this is just a rhyme scheme that doesn't translate to American English. But like, when he bears his teeth, I know no Brits who say death, deeth, or teeth, teth. Like, that's a bad one. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. They, the, the right, it's just a tough look for someone who literally got his career started through poetry. Yeah. Which like, sure, early, early 20th century free form poetry doesn't care as much about rhyming as like more older forms of poetry. I want to still. I want to see like, C.S. Lewis in a Def Jam poetry session. I want to that, see him. Just, that would be fun. Just working it, right? Like, it'd be dope. Uh, but uh, now we get to the epic conversation that we, you know, mentioned in our, our beginning quote. Um, Susan goes, but shall we see him? Why, daughter Reed, that's why I brought you here. I'm to lead you to where you shall meet him. Is, is he a man? Asked Lucy. Like, one, it's a weird thing to ask because at this point, why would you like that? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe being in Narnia, you're seeing all these crazy creatures. Like, I guess that's a reasonable thing to ask, but whatever. Like, is he a man? Uh, and uh, he goes, Aslan, a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the wood, the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Uh, and <laughs> my reaction to this first, like great hype man intro like sure mr beaver rivals mogram in terms of introducing their their main character mogram is the captain of the secret police who earlier we saw gave uh you know jadis a the white witch a great intro and now all i can think of is i want to see aslan and the white witch in a rap battle yes Uh, i think that would be fire Oh, it would be it would be more ice than fire, but it would be great. He said it. He said it. He did it. Uh, but I think that would be it would just be super fun. There's a lot of implications in this, right? King of the wood, sure, like it makes sense. Like he's, yeah, you know, but which wood? Which wood? The wood beyond the world? The uh, woods yeah. in Narnia? Like uh, both, as we've both? established in previous canon. Who is the son of the emperor beyond the sea? Like, yeah, like I guess. But like, who is the who is the emperor beyond the sea? Like, which also wouldn't lead you to assume that he is not a man with that title. Just going to point no. that one out. Yeah, like still both human things, right? Uh, and then King of Beasts. That's me. Okay, cool. King of Beasts. There's a lion. He's the great lion, right? Um, and Susan goes, "Oh, I thought he'd be a man. Is is he quite safe?" I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Again, Susan, like spot on. But you should. 
being near a lion is a scary thing. Lions are large. They can hurt you. They have claws and teeth. They, as we've discussed, lions can basically fly. They can jump 30 feet straight up. Nope, sorry. Straight across. Yeah, I I think I did, because that was a off-pod conversation. I think I did include that in one of our uh, post-credits. Good, good. Now, uh, guys, if if you're missing that, you got to stay around for the post-credit scene. Yeah, uh, they're usually very random non-sequitur conversations. But they're fun. Who knew? I uh, enjoy them. Mrs. G- Mrs. Beaver, she goes, that you will, dearie, and make no mistake. Like, so, Is as she soon as she said Irish, this, Scottish? I, I thought, I, my immediate thought was, Mrs. Beaver equals Mrs. Doubtfire. Be like, oh, dearie, <laughs> like, that'll do. <laughs> and that's how, from now on, that's how I'm picturing Mrs. Beaver speaking. It's as Robin Williams being Mrs. Doubtfire. Being That's like, good. oh, dearie, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. <laughs> this actually makes her lines make a lot more sense. I think yeah. this, I think she's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Beaver is just a, he's just a, a like an open-minded Brit Beaver. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's an old British man. He's, a, he's drinking his beer at dinner. He's Great. like, you know what? I could date a Scottish beaver, but you know what? I couldn't date any other kind of human that's not a human. And we'll yeah. get to that. But. Yeah. <laughs> you got to check the blood status, apparently. He's, he's real. He's got some real, uh, you know, Salazar Slytherin vibes. Yeah, they, they've got some issues. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mr. Beaver does make a statement about Aslan that don't don't think we should just skip over. No. Uh, he says that Aslan has been to Narnia before, but never any humans. So, okay. Can we, before we get there. Uh, Are we not there? I don't think we're there quite yet. Um, but, because uh, I do want to mention the John 316 of Narnia. Oh, sure, uh, sure, sure. Because. For Lucy Aslan goes, so loved the wood. <laughs> that he, well, gave his only life. Uh, so, uh Lucy goes, well, then he isn't safe. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Like, this is probably the most known quote in the entire Narnian series, I would be willing to bet. Uh, This is the one that you, if you've got a, like, a framed picture of a Narnian quote, it's probably, of course, he's not safe but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Like, Oh, she has charged. I have this quote framed. Boom. Like, live, laugh, love, Chase. Uh, you know. <laughs> called out. Uh, but this is a super cool line. Like, there's a reason why John 316 is known, and there's a reason why this one is known. Because it's yeah. really cool. Now, what I don't love about this quote is how C.S. Lewis is very aware that it's a good quote. So he will reuse it in every single book after this, except for the magician's nephew, repeatedly. He's like, gonna beat so, it to death. Yeah, we'll especially when we get to the last battle, the last book of the series, this line is like every other paragraph, and it's honestly obnoxious. Um yeah. because people just talk about this quote like it's some saying in Narnia. But as we know, it's just being said here in private conversation, which makes it not make sense to be something that is just a known phrase. 
unless these kids go on to make it like their king and queenly phrase but still it's yeah yeah c.s lewis knows he did a good thing here and he's gonna just beat it to death later on in the series he's like he he's aware that he has a one-hit wonder on his hand and he's like like who wants to hear like uh you know whatever like hey yeah like everyone's like yeah or like like uh it's he 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 knows when he's got a good thing and so he's 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 really living it uh but peter responds and i think this is a really cool response he goes i'm longing to see him even if i feel frightened when it comes to that point and that's i think a fair and appropriate response to how you should treat meeting aslan but also like how you should treat meeting jesus where it's like i'm really excited and i'm longing i'm craving this even though i know that he's so powerful that like he is like you should have a healthy fear of jesus slash aslan like that's a good thing i think it is a really good picture of what the bible means when it says fear of god is the beginning of wisdom yeah like like understanding that he is the ultimate authority but not in a sense that you should not go to him. It's right. in the sense of you should rightly revere him as you go to him. Absolutely. It's a it's a big deal. Like he is powerful and could do incredible damage. He is strong. He is like, it's, it's different. He's intimidating, but he's also good. Uh, and so there's a good thing there. Uh, and then there's, so uh, there's this crazy thing where, he goes, I'm longing to see him. And Mr. Beaver goes, word has been sent that you are to meet him tomorrow if you can at the sound, the stone table. First of all, that's some stone table. When was word sent? <laughs> when? By who? Explain yourself. How was this word sent? Who Who is the beaver secretary who's behind the scenes, like setting up some appointments, making some meetings, getting the book t- tour going for these kids who just showed up for dinner like an hour ago and now apparently have a meeting that they're already scheduled to go to. And yeah. also Mr. Beaver is already aware of his role in taking them to this is this makes zero sense. It's <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever and then to follow this off as if like we couldn't get more annoyed at the lack of like planning that c.s lewis has uh then lucy you know hearing that they have a meeting with the creator of all things is like but what about mr tumness get off of it girl like just calm down about mr tumness it's 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 and like so mr beaver's like the best way we could help him is to go to Aslan. I mean, which makes sense. Yeah, he he's right, but also the the like flippancy of of not uh not really wanting to like look for this lost child. It's it's a weird look. But so we get a uh we get another poetry uh moment here. Of course, uh, and, and have... this is and this is going to lead to your previous statement about the humans in Narnia, right? Because our our next poem, Prophecy, is when Adam's flesh and Adam's bone sits at Care Perevel enthroned, the evil time will be over and done. Again, end your rhyme on a good rhyme. Like, don't. Don't. Like, okay, whatever. Uh, But then they ask, like, haven't, there's never been humans before? And like, isn't the witch herself human? And then they go, no, there's never been humans. And 
but also, yes, what there about, has. What about Frank and Helen? Where, Just, where are Frank and Helen? Justice for Frank and Helen. Also, Those- like, this isn't just a problem with the prequel because the prequel was written after this book like we'll acknowledge that but this is a problem with the entire rest of the narnia series like there are people in archenland there are people in the entire rest of the world like we'll see in the horse and his boy which mostly takes place outside of narnia yeah i think might entirely take place outside of narnia but the world narnia has other countries that are almost exclusively humans yeah so C.S. Lewis either doesn't know where he's going with the series yet, or in future books, just decides to ignore the canon he's clearly established. He just retcons hard yeah. and doesn't acknowledge it. Yeah, doesn't doesn't release any subsequent editions that correct the problem with canon. It's it's honestly odd. And man, Frank, Frank was a good dude. Helen seemed nice. I mean, I wish she had had more of a personality, but that's that's more of a 50s writing thing than her, sure. her fault. But here's, speaking of problems with canon, Chase, I want to talk about one of my biggest issues here, and that's the queen's lineage. Her heritage, Yeah. Peter asks a legitimate question, isn't she human? She looks human. Yeah. Like, Which, how would he know that? That's another question, but, but we'll, we'll ignore it. So just you know, acknowledge that, you know, maybe they've acknowledged that the queen is human-esque. And the the beavers give her the most ridiculous description. And CS, I take some legitimate beef here with C.S. Lewis because he goes, like, this is honestly one of the most confusing things in the series to me. Yeah. And confusing in life because he goes, the queen bases her claim to throne on her humanity, but she's not from the line of Eve. She's not a daughter of Eve, but she is in the lineage of Lilith. So if you're like me, when you read this, and because it says Lilith, Adam's first wife. Now, Chase, if you're like me, listeners, if you're like me and you read that and you did an immediate. What? What? Like. Excuse me, did you say Adam's first wife? Lilith. <laughs> like, and I, like, the first time I read this, like, as an adult several years ago, I immediately was like, what? And I turned to Genesis, and I I looked up, like, I, I scanned the Bible, I looked on Google, yeah. Lilith not does Bible. not appear. She is not a character in the Bible. She is a extra-biblical character from like Jewish mythology that like was supposedly created from the same clay that Adam was. And she rejected Adam eventually because she didn't want to be subservient to him. Uh, And so it was like this myth, this made up myth that was created to basically say like, hey, you need to be subservient as a woman or else you'll be like Lilith. But Uh, if that's true, if that is where that name comes from, which I can be honest, I did not Google the name because I was, it was about midnight last night that I got to this point in the notes, but like it says that she was a, a gin. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a sec too. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's part of this. Should, should I explain yeah, a little it. bit yeah, yeah, about yeah. what gin are? Yes. So please. if, if you're not familiar with the phrase gin, so if, j-i-n-n yeah j-i-n-n it's the root of it's where we get the word genie from um they are spirits basically in the way that 
Christian uh, theology deals with the idea of demons. This is like the Muslim conception of that. So like jinn is basically like, I want to say fire spirits, like spirits made from flame. And like in a lot of popular mythology throughout world history, it's kind of this idea of like, it's kind of a demonic spirit that if you can capture it, it'll do what you want. And so that also doesn't line up with this idea of Lilith as an extra, an extra woman made for Adam that wasn't vibing. So this is, this is another part that was confusing and made no sense because that is where you get the root gin, right? That is what that is in Narnia. In C.S. Lewis's creation, the jinn are a race that are basically just, they're not what like culture would define as jinn and what like normal mythology would. They are still magical beings, but they're in essence just super tall humans that can do magic. And so in essence, what we get here is that Jadis, the white witch, the queen, is from the lineage of Lilith, a fake first wife of Adam who does not not exist and she is half giant and half magic giant. (laughs) So she, she's a magic giant. Um, like, yeah, that's, that's what this whole section says. And it's infuriating to me because it's a really odd detail. It's, it's a really odd thing to pull from, super unnecessarily odd like you didn't need to do this you didn't need to make this her backstory not only to mix with what we already know of her from the magician's nephew because honestly we could say like okay this is the makeup of the people of charn like like i i would get over that it's more the like why are we importing this random like extra biblical story into the conception of Adam and Eve. Not only that, but also like, if you wanted to do that, sure, but don't do that in a children's story for no reason. You're adding so many layers of confusion here. That just makes no sense. It's not a decision that moves the plot forward. It's a decision that muddies the plot in a way that makes you stop and say, wait, what? Yes. Like Adam had another wife. This is going to make you stop and go do what we did and look it up rather than actually continue reading. Because it's it's a thing where it's like, if you're telling this story, and like his audience is children and children who are probably at least familiar with the Bible, right? In some way or fashion, no one has ever told the story of Adam and Eve and also Lilith. Like, yeah. And where's Steve? And where's Steve? <laughs> like it's Lilith. It's, it just makes so much confusion here. And for a biblical allegory, which is what Narnia is, this takes things like it just throws a huge wrench. And like, granted, we're going to have some nits to pick with Lewisian theology throughout yeah. the series. Yeah. Despite popular evangelical opinion, C.S. Lewis doesn't have super clear or super biblical all the time theology. Um, he like, is not inspired. 
No, he is not the word of God. He, Great he's stuff. a good writer. We enjoy yeah. his stories and the way that he communicates ideas like we've even talked about in this chapter. Right. But we need to not elevate him higher than we ought. Sure. And so it is, we need to make clear, this aspect is not biblical. Yeah. This is not what Christians nor Jews believe is. Yeah. This is like, not a mainstream Jewish opinion either. It's not like, oh, well, mythology. this is what Jewish believes, but we don't agree with them because we're Christian. Like, that's not what we're saying here. We're this saying, is this mythology. Is, this is mythology outside of what's considered anywhere close to Orthodox in either of those traditions. Yeah. And also, like, even in Islam, which is also an Abrahamic religion, like, that has a similar origin story to the biblical narrative, like jinn is a category in that, and this is not where jinn come from, even in Islamic theology, where jinn is a real category. Yeah. So it's it's really odd, is what we're it's saying. Really odd, and it really throws a wrench in everything, and it really takes you out of the story. Uh, and so, if that all wasn't muddy uh, and uh, confusing enough for you. <laughs> We will continue on. Yeah, you know what uh, else takes me out of this story, Kel? Racism? <laughs> is racism. <laughs> racism really took me out of the story. Oh, man. Uh, it's that. So if you, again, if you have not read this chapter, if you're not reading along with us, uh, like after this description of the queen, the white witch, Peter's like, what does this have to do with anything? And Mr. Beaver's like, well, there's another prophecy, but don't worry, readers. He's not going to give you another like poetry about it. I think no. C.S. Lewis was tired of crappy rhymes at this point. And he's like, ah, down at Care Paravel, uh, you know, that's a castle on the coast. Like it, it said that there are four thrones, two, two sons of Adam, two daughters of Eve. And when they fill it, that the white witch's end will come to a reign. Uh, and, you know, that's all good and, uh, you know, whatnot. Um, but she talks about like, he, he talks about there are humans and almost humans in Narnia and it's yeah. Should I, should I read it? I get, yeah, I think, I think so. I think you just got to go for it. So again, they, they ask whether the witch is human. They tell the backstory we just talked about and goes on to say, no, no, there isn't a drop of real human blood in the witch. That's why she's all bad through. Or she's bad all through, Mr. Beaver, said Mrs. Beaver. True enough, Mrs. Beaver, replied he. There may be two views about humans, meaning no offense to the present company, but there's no two views about things that look like humans but aren't. I've known good dwarfs, said Mrs. Beaver. So have I, now you come to speak of it, said her husband. But precious few, and they were the ones that were least like men. In general, take my advice. When you meet anything that's going to be human and isn't yet, or used to be human once and isn't now, or ought to be human and isn't, you got to keep your eyes on it and feel for your hatchet. That's why the witch is always on the lookout for any humans in Narnia. She's been watching for you this many a year, and if she knew there were four of you, she'd be more dangerous still. So essentially they say things that look human but aren't, or things that... Are, are like human or basically things that they don't consider human are inherently bad. Like yeah. they, they have a weird blood status idea, which again, if you're ever getting into conversations about blood status, not a good place to be. You're, you should probably, you're probably wrong, but 
basically like things that have non-human blood status or look human but aren't are inherently lesser and evil and they use dwarves as their example and basically say dwarves are usually bad guys and sure you might find a dwarf here or there that's okay but Uh. for the most like Literally, like this is like a line I have heard my racist uncle say before about non-white people. It's and dude, it's this is like hard to read almost. Yeah. And like I don't know, I don't know if C.S. Lewis is intending this to be like a like a white thing, but like it is hard to to read this and like and, and take that all in because yeah. like that's basically like you know I've got yeah. a friend who's a dwarf, like. like i i I know some dwarf people look if you if you have to defend yourself for not being racist by say you have one friend who's not white that's not a good place to start either but yeah even if we were to give c.s lewis some kind of benefit of the doubt to say he didn't intend it this way he was just trying to he was talking about mythical creatures he he was trying to build out the team's the, these are inherently racist ideas. To, to judge a person as greater or lesser by their blood status or ethnic status is inherently wrong and racist. Yeah. To say a person's character and morality is determined by their ethnic or blood status is inherently wrong. and ra- These are yeah. racist ideas and a real bad look for the beavers and honestly for C.S. Lewis on this front. Like This is yeah. an allegory and different species in fantasy war- worlds often represent represent groups of people in the human world it's one of the big criticisms of the fantasy genre that honestly i i agree it's with it's fair it and to even imply this as an idea is a really bad look and then also just another side of this the beavers aren't humans so why are you saying non-human creatures are lesser in a world full of conscious intelligent non-human be- did aslan not make the dwarves as well you haven't seen a human until today, but you think creatures that look human but aren't are less. That would categorize Mr. Tumnus, who is, is, is looks half he, human. Humanist. He's human on top. He's human esque. Yeah, like yeah. Th- this is ignorance. It's 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 also like in addition to the really uncomfortable racist ideology here. It's also just yes, Lewis painting himself into a corner because how do they know what humans are like or should be like if they've never seen a human? And they don't know what humans are supposed to be like. And they're Absolutely. not humans. Like yeah. this, is, this it, is it makes no sense. Again, it's a it's a it's a it's a statement that makes no sense and it really detracts from the story. Yeah, it it is unnecessary, does not move the plot forward, and seems to be getting out some kind of other ideology that doesn't actually contribute to what's going on. And look, if if you're a listener and whatever we're saying right now is stirring up something you're making you a little angry or just you, you struggle with what we're saying and you haven't already turned off the podcast because of it. A lot of time people struggle with assigning the word racist to things. We're not pointing this out to try to like cancel C.S. Lewis or anything. No, we it's, still it's love in, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It's important as we go through these books to evaluate them and their message honestly. And yeah. just like pointing out the creepy behavior towards children, like we are actually respecting the book and its author to take its message seriously, both yeah. good and bad. So we love these books. We love C.S. Lewis, but we also want to honestly point out where we find flaws. And and in this case, it's it's a glaring one. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I am with you. Uh, 
So all that to say, um, where's know, Edmund? Where's Edmund? <laughs> I say, where's Edmund? What a transition. Uh, and like, it's at this point where you gotta be like, wow. Like, cause this comes off the heels of the prophecy of like four kids. And they're like, ah, yeah, there's four of us, two sons and two. Hey, hold on. Where's Edmund? Like yeah. what a, Wait, what a there's bunch. not four, one, two, three. Where's it? What, what a great group of siblings this is. Yeah. Just like not even caring enough about like Peter is so worried about giving Edmund the silent treatment that he literally just doesn't pay attention while he escapes. Yeah. Loses him, which in Edmund's defense, which there is no defending Edmund for what he's actually doing, but I would have left during that conversation too. That's, that's the, you know, that's at the Thanksgiving table. We were like, who wants dessert? Uh, No, I I have left that conversation before and we'll do it again. If in situations where it's not my place to start a fight, but they, they, they begin looking for Edmund. They're like, when did we see him last? And, you know, what did they say? They run outside and they start yelling Edmund, which like previously they were just told like, hey, don't talk outside. So, you know, keep some consistency here. Yeah. Uh, but then they're like, what on earth are we going to do, Mr. Beaver? And he's like, well, we've got to be off at once. There's not a moment to spare. And uh, Peter pulls some real like Fred from Scooby-Doo. And he's like, let's split up, gang. Uh, let's go in different directions. And Which uh, usually not a good idea. Like Never to be a good fair. idea. It never works out. But then uh, <laughs> Mr. Beaver, again, coming in with some real hot takes that are not popular. He goes, there's no point in looking for Edmund. <laughs> We know where he is. The reason there's no use looking for him is that he. we already know where he's gone. He's gone to her, the white witch. He has betrayed us all. So first he's like, now, listen, I know he's your sibling. I don't care. We're not looking for him. Now, I do want to point out, this is a place that actually really lines up with your theory about the beavers. Yeah. Because Mr. Beaver really seems to know what it looks like on someone's face for them to have eaten the witch's food. Yeah. He's dude. real familiar with turncoat vibes. Um, yeah. But yeah, also, how do they know he didn't just like go to the bathroom? Sure. Because they're... In a dam, like they're in the woods. There's no bathroom made for humans there. They're they're in a hut. Um, Why would you assume that he's immediately betrayed? And also, if you leave and he does come back, he can't find you. Yeah. But yeah, now of course they're right. But like he is correct. But this is one of those diggery assumptions where it's like this is not logical. This is not something where you're like ah the only explanation. He betrayed us. Has he been here before? Well, yeah. But he met the white witch and he ate her food. Well, yeah. This is like, Mr. Beaver talking with the voice of C.S. Lewis saying, okay, now that we've gotten past my my cool ideas that I just shared with you, let's move on to the next scene. <laughs> am I right or am I uh, And so, uh, he, yeah, like you said, he goes, uh, you know, I could see it in his eyes. And I said, the moment I set eyes on him, I said to myself, treacherous. Uh, and which like, this is the same kid who you said, like, you called like, Lord love you, son of Adam. Like, yeah, this is, this is the same guy. And like, this is, though he is true, like, this is correct. This is ultimately going to be what happened. This is like 100% kind of rude. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. And this is, this is not showing any emotional empathy or tact for three siblings who though their brother's a punk they're like peter will say you know yeah he's a rather rather a little beast 
but he's only a kid and he's our brother after all. Like, yeah. The first time that Peter said something reasonable in this book, other yeah. than starting a heist, that was uh, good. And, and also wanting to fight Mr. Beaver because honestly, oh, yeah, sorry. at this point you should have fought him. It's yeah. But it's like the, Mr. Beaver is just like, Nope. Like, and granted he is correct, but like show some emotion. Like if, if that is something that you somehow know, which you can't, but he does. And like, you are right. Like show a little emotional empathy, but then his, his response is ultimately the right one where he goes the best way to save Edmund. And I assume uh, Lucy is in the back yelling and also Mr. Tumnus. Don't forget Tumnus. I assume that that's what's happening. It's like the best way to save Edmund is to go to Aslan. And then they're like, shoot, Aslan. Did we talk about Aslan in front of Edmund? The betrayer? Did we just tell the witch where Aslan is? Cool, cool, cool. Which I think this is a bad look on the beavers as like intelligence agents. Like if you consider their role here, they are giving away the bag whenever they're telling these people they met an hour ago everything that could destroy their cause if they were on the wrong side. Like, Mm -hmm. this is fully the Beaver's fault, not Edmund's fault. Like, it's Edmund's fault that he is on the wrong side, but it's the Beaver's fault that they gave him all that info. Sure. And especially if Mr. Beaver knew he was treacherous from the beginning. Yeah, you should have known better than to tell him all all your stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's... It's just crazy. And so they're like, when did he leave? How much did he hear? How much does he know? What can he share? The last thing they remember is that Edmund said, like, could Aslan be turned to stone? So he at least knows that Aslan has been turned to stone uh, or that could not be turned to stone. But then honestly, like to quickly interject between our roasting of the beavers, like this is great writing by C.S. Lewis in terms of like, there is no direct or indirect mention of Edmund through this entire span it is really ambiguous when he left. Like, yeah, could have been sure. could have been during the racist discussion of non-humans. Could have yeah. been before. Could have been immediately after Aslan. Like, was when, that he, when he when they ask how much did he hear? You actually wonder. Oh, you're right. How much did he hear? Like, and I, I flipped back and was like, wait, where where did he talk? Yeah, it, and there's a lot, and so it's like it's really really well done writing wise here from c.s lewis where it's like you don't know and it leaves the reader in question uh and so that's that's honestly really really cool but then you know to add to my theory that the beavers are turncoats who were previously under the employ of the white witch (laughs) mrs beaver goes if i know her and like if what i know about her is true you the moment Edmund tells her that we're here she's going to set out to catch us this very night and and like we're going to talk about the timing of things here in just a sec but it's like do you know her like if so like how long like if you know her so well like why do you know her so well how do you know her so well yeah were were you and Tumnus both under the employee of like of yeah why uh, why do you know the exact drive time from her house to your house yes because then she goes uh, if if he's been gone about a half an hour, which also, how do you know how long he's been gone? Like, but she goes, it could have been less, could have been more. Because if, it, if he's been gone about a half an hour, she'll be here in another 20 minutes. How do you know this? You know where her castle is. You've been there before, haven't you, Mrs. Beaver? Yes, so. 
and you walked out alive, not as a statue, which means dun dun dun, the beavers are turncoats. I I support this theory. I'm on board. Like, <laughs> I it, it's wild. Uh, but they they're like you're like Mr. Beaver's like you're right, Mrs. Beaver. We must all get away from here. There's not a moment to lose. And then the chapter ends. Man. Well, have anything else? I I'm ready to dive in. You, you, you want to take us I'll, further up and further in? I would love to. So my further up and further in is not about racism, luckily, uh, but it is about prophecy and its role in fantasy and mythology and scripture. Uh, this is like prophecy is generally, um, you know, it is used in just about every single piece of fantasy uh, literature you can find. Uh, Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, the Silmarillion, which is the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, precursor, uh, Game of Thrones, the Inheritance Cycle, Star Wars, you name it. And there's probably a prophecy in it, right? Uh, and prophecy really alludes to uh, some some really interesting stuff. Even in like, just think about your your normal mythologies, right? Uh, like that are found in each culture. There's probably prophecies of some uh, level and it really brings into question this idea of fate, of destiny, of it, are things really, are you free to choose or are you predetermined to do these things? Uh, and a lot of these different fantasy stories are going to seek to answer that question, right? Uh, and it reminds me of, you know, Harry Potter and Dumbledore. Um, if you are not aware, you know, spoiler alert, if you have not uh, read nor watched the Harry Potter uh, books, particularly uh, read the books and uh, in the fifth book, um, they are interpreting a prophecy. Harry and Dumbledore at the end of the book are interpreting a prophecy about Harry and Voldemort where uh, basically it says neither can live while the other survives, which means that at some point they're going to clash to see who can live and who will die. One of them has to defeat the other. And Harry uses these phrases like, it means I've got to, I have to. And Dumbledore calls him out on it where he's like, you don't got to do anything. It's like, you don't have to do it because you're impelled by destiny uh, or compelled by destiny. Uh, but you are you you need to do it because you are a good person who should seek to destroy evil, who should seek to right wrongs. Uh, and it really brings into this question of like, had Harry just like like escaped, you know, ran into the into the wilderness? Like, could he have just lived out his life? Like, maybe. But eventually, like his conscience would have compelled him to go to Voldemort. Uh, and so it really brings into this question of like with the Pevensies in this moment or with any hero in any fantasy story, like the interpretation of a prophecy is really important because is it something that you can avoid? Is it something that you should try, like should try to make happen? Um, or should you just let your natural decision-making guide your choices and ultimately you will fulfill whatever this destiny is for you, right? Uh, it's this interesting balance between predetermined reality, predestination, uh, or free will. And I think uh, it, you know, by using a prophecy in fantasy and fiction, that's an interesting way to bring up this idea in a way that's semi-safe and semi, uh, you know, non-controversial, 
uh, whereas you know the ideas themselves can have some really hard impacts and some really uh, difficult implications. But in a use of prophecy, it's a way to be like, hey, who is choosing what's happening? Is it predetermined or are you choosing something and therefore it will happen? Uh, and so it's a really interesting question. And I just really, I enjoy, and also I enjoy the use of prophecy, but it can also be made really wonky if done improperly. Yeah, I think, and I don't have Harry Potter in front of me, but I think the line from the fifth book is something along the lines of, it's the difference between being thrown into a battle and walking in of your own accord. Dumbledore knew it and now so did he. It's kind of the idea mm -hmm. of how the two work together. It's it's because Harry's the kind of person who has to, like not because he's being made to, but because that's his character. But yeah, it's it really is interesting, even when you put it into rhyming form. Um, for mine, I want to point out just another piece of biblical sim symbolism I think is here. Uh, we have a gathering for a meal, talking about things that are to come. Then one person leaves early to betray the king of the world. Uh, this is the Last Supper. Um, in the Bible, the Last Supper is the night that Jesus is betrayed. He and his disciples are together eating the Passover Seder. And Jesus tells them the things that are about to take place in his death for the salvation of the world. And at the end of the meal, Judas runs out early on his own to go and betray Jesus to the religious leaders that are seeking to arrest him. The same basic pattern plays out here. Just Aslan isn't at the dinner only in, only in spirit. He's only talked about, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have a ton to say about this one. I just think it's fun to point out uh, the pattern here. And it's one of the more subtle biblical references that Lewis makes, but I think the, the Judas theme for Edmund is really clear when it comes to like his siblings and his his posse that he's running with and betrayal. Um, I mean, obviously Judas is the big like archetype of betrayer, and yeah, Edmund really embodies that here by leaving dinner early. I'm with you. Well, Chase, Mister Beaver, Mrs. Beaver is right. We must all get away from here. There's not a moment to lose. Jay says, we're on our way out of this podcast. Would you mind telling our listeners where they can find us and help us out? For sure. We would love it if you continue to listen to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and leave us a rate and a review. Uh, if you like the podcast, we love to hear from you. We love uh, for this podcast to get in front of people and leaving a rating is a great way to help that happen. You can also find us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcasts where you can engage with our posts, give us a like, give us a comment, share it with a friend. Uh, yeah, we just love to interact with you guys and make fun jokes and comments about this Narnia series. I mean, that's why we do this podcast. Uh, but yeah, we can't wait to keep talking about this series and we will see you next time. Peace out. I'm regretting taking a shower before this podcast because my hair has been drying throughout this podcast mm. and just slowly trying to melt just matting in, down into my eyes. It, it really, really wants to get inside my pupils, which is not pupils. where I want it to be. <laughs> right inside my pu pupers? Is that what you said? <laughs> pupils? Your pupi?